to free beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Hello, McGuire. And Colin, where are we tonight? At our own homes, yes. It's it's a rarity that me and you do over mic or over the phone. It's it's quite odd. Normally, if yeah, we do it, we'll do yeah. it face to face. Um, I take the time of year where we get kind of Christmas budgets and time constraints and stuff like that. Fortunately, we're, we're, and we're, 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 we're kind of sprawled out in my bedroom. Quite quite comfortable. Quite comfortable, nice. Yeah. Um, I think also we'll try to find somewhere quiet to do a podcast right now. It's pretty difficult because every bar is absolutely rammed just now. Oh, it's sneak going through like kind of when I leave work, I kind of cut through town. Yeah. At home, and it's just mental. It's just for Larry's office party maniacs. They yeah. just seem to get four pints on them and just become the Tasmanian fucking devil. Yeah, crazy. Absolute bonkers, huh? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're hiding out at home just now. We might do one. No, probably, not, probably none before the end of the year in, in a pub, but we'll maybe do one, one in the new year will be in a pub. Um, are you drinking anything tonight while we're chatting? Uh, tea and water. So nice, very classic. I, well, I'm on the. <laughs> I'm on the. Well, the Old and improved iron brew, you know the the, the bottles are released. Oh, I bought Lorraine a bottle of that last week. I don't think we've tried it yet. Yeah. So I take it just tastes exactly like fucking iron brew. It tastes better than the shit one they're doing the snow, but not as good as the original. If that makes sense. Yo, and it's also fucking incredibly expensive. Two pound for a big glass bottle. Two pound for a bottle of fucking iron brew. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, it used to be alright. You could you used to be able to trade that bottle in for like ten, twelve pence. Now you can't even do that. Yeah, no, it stopped. I know, and the entire economy is destroyed by the. I mean, <laughs> as it's as it's election day, just blame the Tories for it, as everyone else will probably blame. Hanging that stands to reason. Um, I remember many days as a, as a child um, where I would play truant to school and go around the, the building sites and ask the labourers for their ginger bottles and right. take them to the shop. And I I blame my I blame my continuing obesity on the fact that I had lots of ginger bottles to, to trade in <laughs> um, at the van. <laughs> anyway, we'll get on. Um, we'll, talk, we'll, talking of the Tories, did you, did you cast your, your mighty vote today? I have sir? cast my vote today, yes. Good stuff. Yes, good, good. I, always, good. I always do vote. Um, but yeah, so we'll get into, into the podcast. So basically, when this goes out tomorrow, it'll either be like a nice, brave new world where things are looking a bit brighter, or it'll be, you know, hell. Fucking dystopian, that's what it's going yeah, to be. So. So. Yeah, it's, it's, dystopian. I'm expecting yeah. the Hunger Games in two weeks' time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> Kill my way through to work, so I would. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, anyway we'll get, and as, as we normally start, we'll start with our Mike on Mike report. Um, so hey, this, this is Mike Furlong um, playing for the Camel Lairs down in Birkenhead. Um, so they had one game this week on Saturday um, and they played Abbey Halton United and they won 3 1. Hey, Mike didn't score, you on the bench. Um, oh, again, again. Why is he bench? We need to, we need to get to the bottom of Scooby-Doo mystery happening here. Well, it's funny you say that, Colin. I have news for you. I am heading down to see the Camel Lairds. Oh, when? Uh, 29th of February. Cool, cool. So we're going to... just like a, a league match? It's a, a random, match, a completely or? random league match. My good lady bought his like, hotel and stuff down there for that weekend. So we're going to go and visit the, 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 the Camel Lairds and take many a picture of me standing next to a Laird sign just because <laughs> that's, what, that's why I'm going down. Um, yeah, I so think you need to when you see Mister Mister Furlongburn up and give him the biggest bear hug you can. I will give Mister Furlong a bear hug. But yeah, so, so we're looking forward to that. It'll be fun to do, um, and it'll be fun to see them in the flesh. Uh, Definitely. Just out of curiosity, um, how, how much are tickets sell for for like that kind of junior league football? Uh, I think it's like five quid a ticket or something. Yeah, five pound a ticket. That is, that is very reasonable. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Any, anyone 
Yeah. Get along and see them, yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so 3 1 1, Albert Abbey Halton United. That is the third one in a row. So, there will be about a winning streak going on this now. They're up to fifth in the table. I think it's the top four get promoted or got a chance of promotion. So, right. pushing for promotion. So, we're, we're looking good. When does the, the season run? Is, is it all within the standard kind of. Aye, I think, it, I think it'll be. April? I think it'll be April, aye, March, April, maybe May time. It'll, it'll sort of probably April, May time it'll finish up. Cool. Um, but yeah, so from that, we'll now move on to the non-cinema viewing. Have you watched anything at home of interest you want to talk about? Um, I'm, I'm still making my way through The Boys. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to spoil this, but you, you've seen it, haven't you? Yes, I have seen it, yes. Right, so, so for the people at home that, that haven't seen it, um, the episode that I watched last night okay. was the, the one with the dolphin scene. Yes. And I laughed like a fucking baby. You feel bad was, for so... laughing at it, but you, you feel you have to laugh at it, don't you? <laughs> It was, it was pure comedy genius. Yep. It was absolutely amazing. And it's watched the fucking show just for that yeah. scene alone. It is absolute fucking genius. Because if I recall, I've not, I've not read the books in a long time. That's not in the comics, but it feels like it should be. It feels like something belongs in the comics. It feels like it, it's totally... No, I, don't, I don't know if it is or not. I was thinking about that as well. And I can't recall it being in the books. But yeah. I think I kind of... My way through the books. Yeah. Sometimes when you do that, you do lose, like, kind of chunks of it. Do you Yet, but I did buy the first book uh, the other day there, so I'm going to read the book and then maybe watch the TV show. You will enjoy it, so it's a very, very good book. Yeah. Very, it's quite kind of thought-provoking and a lot of definite stuff for that. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone that reads it probably takes away something yeah. slightly different, do you know what I mean? Because it it's, you know, yeah. very unchangeable to the thought process, but I think you'll enjoy it. Awesome. You're also saying you bought The Long Walk as well? Yes, I'm reading The Long Walk just now, which is a Stephen King book, which is pretty... I think it's going to be a film now. It's a guy who directed... I think the guy who did the second part of it, actually. Right, okay. Who well, is... I think I, I might be wrong with that, but somebody who did the film recently... Um, oh, no, it's the guy who did um, Crawl. Remember the one oh, with right. the alligator? Yeah, that, that was a good film. Yeah, yeah I'm sure it's... Style with, with what we, no, how do you get on, mate? How far in are you? I'm, I'm the last like sort of throws of it now. I'm in the final like, sort of few pages of it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's excellent. And the yeah, story is... It's a great, it's, it's a great book. I mean, the basic story yeah. is it, it's a bunch of sixteen-year-old to eighteen-year-old kids who've got to basically they walk across America, um, but with a gun at their head. If they if they stop or if they don't keep up a certain pace, they get they get three warnings and then they're killed. And there's no break, yeah. there's no break for sleep, drink, food, or anything. Yeah, you just have yeah, to keep walking, and it's a hundred of them start off, and the final one, the winner is the person who's still standing at the end, essentially. But yeah. it, but it's um. So I was going to say, it seems like a very hard book to film, so I'll be intrigued to see what they do with it, because I don't know how you're going to make it cinematic, but it definitely yeah. intri- it definitely intrigues me. Kind of, I've always thought of it as it'd make a really good short film, do you know what I mean? Mm. 
rather than a kind of 90 minute but I, I don't know I mean there is a lot of flashbacks in it and stuff like that so I suppose it's, I suppose the potential's there and these guys know what they're doing better than we do so yeah. um I hope all they, they don't fuck it up uh, yeah. royally. But I, we'll, we'll can, see. I can see it being that level of like sort of the road level bleak. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Ed Harris is going to be in it surely. He would play. He would play the, the major, the general. They call him. Was it? Yeah, the, yeah. yeah the major, isn't it? Major. Yeah, he would be good at that role. To play him. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think that's inspired person. And the last thing I've been watching sort of is um, we were talking about this in work is black books. This is me dipping my toe into the world of. Only 20 years since it came out, roughly, or so. <laughs> Never, but do you know what? It holds up ridiculously. It does, well. yes. It's still stupidly funny. For yep. um, anyone who doesn't know, Black Books is a comedy series uh, co written by Irish comedian Dylan Moran. Yes. And it's basically he's an arsehole who runs a bookstore. Yep. Um, and, and just the daily shortcomings. Yep. This is pretty much it. He's, he's a cranky bastard, he's an assistant man, he's a enthusiastic, lovable guy. Is Bill the Bailey. The shop. Yeah, Bill Bailey and the girl that runs the shop next door. Mm. It's the kind of in and out kind of... She's quite sensible as well, isn't she? You know? she she's a bit, she's sensible. She, the, her character kind of morphs into sort of just as kind of ditzy and silly a little bit. I think what we're we'll saying is uh, 20 minute chunks, really digestible. You can watch it, eat your dinner, get ready to go out, you know, quick one in the morning, come home from work, sit down and watch it. So, really, really good viewing, highly recommended. Yeah. Um, what about you? What's your TV? Um, not watched anything. The only thing I've watched of note on TV was a film called The Report, um, which was out in the cinema, I think, about a month ago, but it's went to Amazon. I like. Amazon seems to get stuff from the cinema into its like app quite quickly, uh-huh. um, and the reports are basically about the guy who's tasked with compiling a report. It's actually called the torture report, but that's redacted because it's just so it's just called the report about America's right. um, like sort of dealings and way they investigated possible terrorists after nine eleven, uh, okay, when, okay. when they used many different techniques and you know they try to drill to the bottom of you know. Is it right to so do this? Is this is this um, based on fact? Yeah, it's based on the actual report itself. Yeah, so they're, they're sort of the recreating the report, and sort of, it's it doesn't sound particularly interesting the way I'm describing it, but essentially it's like it's not just similar to something like Spotlight. Remember Spotlight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very smart people in the room trying to find something out and trying to investigate something, but also at the same time they've got the government wanting to not say too much because obviously it's negative press for them. You've got the CIA obviously not wanting to. I care that they, as far as they're concerned, they did good because they got information out of these people, and you get the FBI involved as well. Um, okay. Then uh, the main guy in the report is is played by Adam Driver, and he sort of starts off a little bit as a sort of he, he wants to work for government, he wants to like, help in some way, and as the film progresses, he becomes like a more and more jaded character, and sort of like he understands that like, his government is not always right, and and they, they do particularly nasty things that if someone done them to to their people, they'd be enraged by it. But they seem to, he seems to not be able to get through to other people. Like, if we do it, we are just as bad, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, just, so, uh, it's, so it's okay for the American government to do, it, but God forbid, who else does that to an American? Then yes. Oh. Um, um, this, Mr. Driver seems to be um, the the man at the moment. Just now, absolutely. Um, we'll go on to him later. We'll go on to him later on regarding his, his other film, but this film he's he's phenomenal and he's excellent. He's such a he has got a really magnetic presence on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's quite he's quite a kind of big. I mean, he's kind of quiet and he, you know, he kind of exudes that air as well, but he is quite kind of big and, and kind of charismatic as yeah. well. He's, he's like kind of, you know, kind of both, both moulds kind of put together almost. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know he's an ex-Marine? Yeah, I know, yeah. Um, I think he's kind of done 
an injury to his back yeah. um, off duty and he had to, he had to quit but yeah he, he volunteered as well I, 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 didn't know this, I, I honestly did not know about it I don't know if it was you told me or someone else told me but I didn't know this until literally this week and someone was telling me the story, like Adam Driver was all trained up as Marine he was going to Iraq or Afghanistan and, yeah. he, was, and he hurt his shoulder or his back or something and that, he had to go home and then he became an actor like he went into like, sort yeah. of local theatre and stuff like that but yeah um, yeah, I think he just kind of at that point in his life believed, you know, in the injustices and mm. thought, you know, I need to fight for, for you know, my, my country. Yeah. Um, I think now, in retrospect, he's kind of said that, you know, he kind of feels different now, but at, at the time, yeah, he kind of he signed up, something yeah. like you know, he was like, I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah, but yeah, the report on Netflix, it's on, not Netflix, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's a really, it's a, it's a solid, it's a really good watch. It's a really interesting watch. It's a really interesting, like, sort of historical document as well. Not dissimilar to something, like I said, Spotlight or JFK. You know, just something that makes you really think and want to go and maybe look into things more and maybe just question a few more things than you've maybe you've in the past. Is it accessible to the non-American? Yeah, no, absolutely. Can you, yeah. Can you follow? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You can follow it. It lays out and it has dialogue on screen that lets you know what's going on and who people are and you know and they do have the odd scene when it's like sort of all exposition when it's like you know somebody who's very smart explains to someone else who's very smart why this is important. You're going like, well, that person would know that. You know, yeah. so it's, it's always a break it down for the for the audience, and he is a little bit like sort of the audience to an extent because he's investigating something he has no knowledge of. You know, right. so, so so you you are seeing the world through what he sees. You know, because so you're kind of getting with him uh-huh. as it unfolding it, yeah. Uh-huh. because he he basically he signs up for the CIA or whatever it is. I think it might be CIA or FBI. I can't remember what it is. Essentially, the day like he, he's doing he's studying something at college. Nine eleven happens. He changes all his degrees to something else so he can he can use them for. You know, to, to work for the government. So yeah, he, mm-hmm. he starts off as a kind of true believer. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'll maybe maybe check that out. Um, Lorraine's a, a massive Adam Driver fan. She she's kind of been a fan for you know so, before everybody else jumped in the bandwagon. Yeah. So she'd be maybe quite open to watch that as well. So that's that's one I'll yeah on definitely watch it. Really good casting as well. But he's um the standout. Um, <coughs> so I watched it at home. Um, so we're going to some very quick movie stuff. So some of the stuff you've not seen. Um, so we'll start with one that's out. It was out in the cinema. I think it's pretty much gone now. But it was out in the cinema for longer than I expected. Uh, a film called Judy and Punch. Which I was so. This is honestly the one film I wanted to see, and I just never got into it, and I'm devastated that I've missed this film. Yeah, directed by uh, I think it's Mira Folks. Um, she's a it's, a it's a debut feature. She's an actress by trade, and she's this is a, she's done a lot of short films. I think she's got a connection with the Edgerton. Right, okay. I don't know if it's a if it's a, a partner or a friend. He's not Joel Edgerton, I think, but the other Edgerton. Who's the other Edgerton? I can't remember who it is, but he's he's a producer on this film. Um, and I, I think maybe, maybe Joe might even be a producer on it as well but there's a connection there's an Aussie film as well um, so the plot of this film is that it's essentially telling the story of Punch and Judy and how the origin of that comes around through the eyes of it's Mr Punch and Judy who are real life characters who run a puppet school or a puppet show in sort of a town called Seaside which is nowhere near the seaside in, in Middle England um, through the process of the show something bad happens which causes something else bad to happen, and then the sort of the, the story spirals from there. I, I don't want to really yeah. say too much about it because I feel to say too much would ruin sort of a really kind of big kind of moments in the film that are really worth seeing fresh. Um, yeah. But essentially, it's it's descent into sort of a, out of madness and chaos and revenge ultimately. Um, yeah. So that's that's essentially the film. Uh, and the film you got Mia Wasikowski. Um, yep. Playing Judy, who is Australian. I don't realise if that's Australian, but she's playing I that. Don't know that either, no. Okay, now, because of the I will just assume she was European somewhere. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you got a massive amount of European um, 
Influx. Um, and you get Damon Herriman, who's also on it. He plays Mr. Punch. Uh, I don't know him from anything. I didn't really recognise a lot of his trade, um, you know, stuff he's been in, but he's been in quite a few things. And a guy called Benedict Hardy, who's been in a few British things. Um, and, and he plays, like, sort of a, a police officer, the, the, the lone constable in the town that no one cares about. Because this film's set in, like, the, maybe 15th, 16th century. So, right. maybe, maybe 17th, actually. So, the rule of law is still to really take hold. People are still pretty much believing in, you know, witches and magic and... You know, because the film starts with a scene where there's three witches getting hung. One of them's getting hung because she looked at the moon for a suspicious amount of time. Yeah. You know, so it's, like, it's, it's you know, it's, it's that. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's still parts of that's going to do that. I mean, it probably is, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a really dark, twisted, and uncomfortable watching of like sort of a, a legend and a, almost a fairy tale aspect to it. Yeah. Um, it looks dirty as hell. Like everything looks just grimy and really, you like, I don't want to live in that world. Everything looks like it does smell. So. Has it? Has it? Wouldn't shoot. I do like films that go for the authenticity rather than you know, like fucking Mary Poppins, where Victorian London is a is a wonderful fucking pretty place. I I mean it's 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 still a stylized version of the past. It doesn't feel like it's real in any way. It does feel like like a theatre production of the past, uh-huh. but it's not a pretty production of the past. You know, it's, they're, they're trying to make it grimy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, um, so. What was what I actually about this film because uh, I, I know you you got the shit to see what I hadn't is I kind of know what the bad thing is that happens and what the other bad thing is. Yes. Um, but this film's built as a black comedy. Yeah. And when you read what it's about, I, I don't understand how they can inject any humour into the material because it's I mean it is but the, the story is fucking horrendous. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, is, is it funny or? You know? Yes, it's. I would hasten to say it's not laugh out loud funny. There's a lot. There's, yeah. a, there's moments you do laugh at, it and the thing you're talking about, the, the horrific thing that happens, is unfortunately the way they do it. Very funny. You know, right. the visual of something happening is kind of like it's shocking, but also you do feel that you have to laugh at it because it's so shocking. Um, but yeah, so it definitely get it doesn't. That's maybe a problem with it. It doesn't quite get. It's not quite. It's not quite funny enough. You know, it, it has moments when it is it is funny, but a lot of times the funny just doesn't quite arrive. Um, yeah. The funny comes from the guy playing Mr. Punch. His performances I, th- I thought was really good. I thought he was very funny. The sort of way he played it, and he, this sort of like just this lush, drunk idiot, you know, who, who really doesn't know what the hell he's doing, and he's just yeah. surviving up. You know, he makes every decision he makes is, a, is an awful one. And no, at no point does he make any point make a good decision, and he's surviving only on his like sort of good fortune and wits, essentially. Um, yeah. So I liked him. Um, the most they, they seem the cast seemed to find the tone between the sort of the blackness and the comedy of it and the thriller aspect of it, but the uh, story itself doesn't really find the balance. If that makes sense, they seem no, they seem to know they seem to know what they're doing, but the story doesn't have enough material there to, to push it forward because the middle act just seems a little bit lost and a little bit bogged down. It just feels like you're just spinning. It's only I mean the film's only like ninety two minutes long. It's quite it's pretty short. But even at that, the middle third of it feels a lot. It feels a bit stodgy and unnecessary. Yeah, and it, it feels like it, it it could push on quicker than what it does, and it it, it takes a while to push on. And you you kind of know what's coming. You kind of know where it's going to go. You don't you don't know what each character has to do, and and maybe how they're going to do it. Maybe is a surprising aspect of it, but you feel it takes a long time for them to start doing what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. but overall, I, I mean, we I enjoyed it. I laughed. I giggled. Um, and like I said, it, it worked for me as a, as a good kind of indie black comedy film. It, 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 and I, I would definitely watch more work from the from the director. Out of ten, sir? Six and a half. Out of 
Cool. Yeah. Cool. I have the same gutted that I missed it, and hopefully I'll catch it. You know when it gets on to you know whatever. It does seem like a, a, a prime a prime Netflixy type one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I will to see that in the future um, just so I can see it in the cinema yeah um, so second film is another one I saw we'll get into um, that you've not seen I don't think yet and it's called Motherless Brooklyn yeah uh, so this is um, Edward Norton's yep. love story um, based on a novel yes so it's his second debut his second feature he's done his first movie was back in like 2000 I think it was 2001 called Keeping the Faith so it's taken right. you know he's Terence Malick levels of you know waiting for you know, to do another film. Um, yeah. Plot of the film is, Edward Norton is a, is a guy who works for a private investigator um, and he has got Tourette's. It's sort of quite a quite a noticeable form of Tourette's. You know, it's not just a language thing, it's also um, ticks and, and, he t- and he's, yeah. he's very physical at times as well. Um, yeah. Someone in his life gets gets murdered and he is going to, he is investigating the murder of, of why, it, why it happened. While he's investigating the murder, he also undercovers what could be a conspiracy and a Sort of a, a deep political sort of um, what's the word? Not conspiracy, political badness. You know, it's sort of a political, yeah. a political sca- um, scandal, political scandal. Scandal. Yeah. 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 Um, involving Alec Baldwin, he plays sort of a um, a guy who is involved with the government, but not really involved with the government. It's all very shady. Um, right. So, like I said, you've got Edmund not playing the lead role. Alec Baldwin playing sort of the main sort of baddie, I suppose. Uh, Willem Dafoe pops up in it as well. Bruce Willis pops up in it, Bobby Cannavale as well, as one of the guys in the detective office. Uh, and you've got Ethan Supley, he plays our guy in uh, Detective, I like, I like uh, from Ethan. And also the Gugu Umbaf Raw, she's in it as well. She, you, you know her from a few British films, and she, I think she's going to be quite big in the next few years. But she plays sort of a love interest, sort of also someone who's involved in the scandal, but not really sure how she's involved or why she's involved, but she's, she's, she's in it. Maybe sort of tangentially, not really sure why she's in it, but she is in it, and um, okay. I'll go on from that. Um, like I said, it's based on a book, and then I didn't know this until you told me what was the book is set in nineteen ninety. I believe it's in nineties. Yeah, whereas yeah. Ever Norton's taken a, a a decision to set this in the nineteen fifties. It's so it's post World War Two. And I too kind of understand why he did that because he's he's making as a film noir. It's supposed to be you know a, a kind of old fashioned detective story. You know. Um, yeah, like kind of gumshoe. Yeah, basically, I private eye gumshoe. And as soon as you set it in modern time, you you pick up you know more, like modern technology, phones, all that kind of stuff. It becomes it gets lost a little bit. So this is the guy who's got to go and investigate things properly, you know, and have find okay. and, you know beat the streets and find people and beat the stuff out of them. So I get why he said the fifties. It probably makes it a more interesting, you know, style and, and a more interesting narrative if you may say in the fifties. Um, and it is pretty twisty turning, but it's so twisty turning, but also a little bit dull when it's twisting turning. Um, to the point you don't really care what's happening to anyone. You know, oh, like, that's not good. you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm trying to think of the to describe it. I, I like that it wasn't pandering to its audience, which is which I, yeah. I, I give it credit for doing that. But you've also got to make sure the audience know what's going on. Yeah, I, mean, I was thinking you were going to make something really convoluted. You need. You need that kind of commitment from the audience. You know, characters that you know are going to hold you. Hold, ah. through, as soon as you, you kind of drift off. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you just you don't care what the turns are there. I mean, you, you just kind of yeah. You're, you're not focused anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um. The cast are all decent. The cast are all you know they're all good actors. They're all. It's a great. It's a great ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Edward Norton directed really does enjoy Edward Norton the actor. I I, I got that from it. 
Um, and because of that, I feel like the rest of the cast don't really get much of a look in. You know, they're, they're, they're their primary as they're orbiting his son. You know, they're orbiting his world. And they're, yeah, they're making him look better or good rather than, you know, Fadden, possibly. Yeah, like no one else really, yeah. no one else really gets a, a proper arc other than him. Yeah. Even his arc is pretty, it's, it's not really much of an arc. He, he starts out in one place and ends pretty much in the same place almost. You know, he's not... He's, he's changed uh, a little bit, but not not it's not a, a life term, life defining change. You know, he still feel that like he's going to be a, an act, a character who will continue to do what he's done. Yeah, you know, he yeah. won't change too much. Um, um, I think, but by nature, obviously, I think a lot of actors have to be narcissistic. But kind of reading snippets about Norton in the past, it, it does seem like he's particularly narcissistic. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, come across in this as it is. Is that the problem? I think. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you see the narcissism there, but I think, like you said, any actor's got to have a certain level of narcissism within them. Um, <coughs> it just he he keeps the camera on himself a lot, you know. Yeah. And I think that a lot of actors, like directors, would act. I think Clint Eastwood, when he's directing something, he keeps that camera on himself a lot when he's directing himself. You know, he yeah. makes he makes sure yeah. he's a you know prime focus of something. He, I can't I can't remember Clint Eastwood directing a film that he's in where he's not the lead. You know, yeah. and Norton's the same. That's two films he's done so far, and both films he's the lead. You know, I've got yeah. no problem. Like, what, uh, what's his name? Um, John Favreau directs movies. He puts himself in film, but he's never the lead in the film. Yeah, he's happy to kind of let a lot of people carry the weight, and he's yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll be, no, you're right. Yeah, ah, we yeah. moment in the film. That's about it. Um, mm-hmm. The film does keep a pretty consistent tone. It, it keep it embraces the noirness of it, and if you're a fan of those like sort of Black Delilah or all they kind of noir movies and books. You might get something from it, but I thought it overstayed its welcome, and it probably yes. does work. Probably does work better as a novel. Has it got a hefty running time? Or did yeah, it labor? you're talking two hours twenty. Right, does it ever take it? It feels. It feels like two hours twenty. I mean, I, I won't lie. I was. I felt myself like drifting off at times. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Not, not good at all. Bit of a shame. Um, Other people have been more. <coughs> have been more up on it <coughs> from what I've read. So don't mm-hmm, take mm-hmm. me as the only. Authority on it. A lot of people have yeah. enjoyed it more, um, but nah, I, 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 I didn't really embrace it that much, I'm afraid. Oh dear, out of ten, sir? Five. Oh, oh dear, for is it for Mr. Norton's labour of love? That's yeah. um, that's not bodmail at all. Yeah. Um, I'll maybe try and get to see this one in the cinema. I hope to, to kind of catch it, but after hearing what you've said, I'm not. Not overly excited. Unless if I kind of don't, no. yeah, I don't catch it before it drops off. <coughs> um, up next is one that you've seen that I've not seen yet. I'm a bit glad I've not seen it yet, and that is Jumanji: The Next Level. Yeah, yeah, I seen this last night. Yep, is it um, directed by the same gentleman as the first one? Um, I'm not actually sure. Okay. Um, I did. I didn't. I don't kind of do all background stuff as much as you. Well, like, the, the cast is all there. Um, Dwayne Johnson's there. Um, Jack Black's there. Kevin Hart. Um, all the kind of kids are in the first one. Karen Gillan. So it's all the, the, the kind of cast. Are there. Who's Who's new um, in the film? Who's new in the film is um, the two Dannys, Devito and Glover. Yeah. Um, which is that. I've got such a soft spot for Danny Glover, and I, I just love seeing Danny Glover on the big screen. Yep. So it was lovely to see him um, on there. Um, and the bad guy in this one was uh, Rory McCann, better known to, to the world as the Hound from Game of Thrones. And a big, tall, big, massive. He's also yeah, in. Yeah, he's also in. Yeah. He's also in Hot Fuzz. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, that's him. Um, yeah. so he, Scottish Hoax man. Yeah, yeah, that's Porridge Man. Porridge Man, yeah. Unfortunately, he wasn't in the film a lot, and you know he wasn't playing 
much more than the Hound's character from Game of Thrones as well, minus the, the cunts and fucks and shit. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much uh, one of the problems. I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the original drama, or not original, the new Jumanji, the Welcome to the Jungle, but I thought yeah. Bobby, Bobby Cameron Valley was a baddie in that, and me, me and you have both been, I've openly said we love most things with Bobby Cannavale Valley in it. Yeah, and I felt like yeah. they, they wasted him, and he didn't really give him enough to do in that film. Um, so what's the basic plot? Yeah. What's the basic plot of the new one? Premise to this one is um, this is a year or two on from the last one, so it's not a kind of you know the next day kind of thing. Yep. And uh, Alex, who was the kind of main boy from the, the last one, is working and living in New York now. Um, not really enjoying himself. Um, he's split up with the girl he was seeing and stuff like that, and um, he kind of looks for a way to make himself feel better and you know not feel so kind of bad. So he, he finds the Jumanji game and tries to repair it. Right. Um, the others what you find where it is because he's vanished, um, wandering his house, um, and they get sucked into the game as well. Um, at the same time, his granddad is Danny DeVito, um, is living with him, and um, Danny Glover is the granddad's friend, is visiting him. They right. also get pulled into the game as okay. well. So you've still got the four central Jumanji characters Ruby Roundhouse, um, you know, the Bravestone, stuff uh-huh. like that, but it switches them around a wee bit, okay. so it's not the same the same characters. So you've got Danny Glover playing one of the, the, the video game characters and Danny Duke playing one. Right. Um, and, you know, that it's quite nice to do that. They mix it up. So it is the characters you know, but different people playing them. Right. Um, Kevin Hart, um, in particular, done a great job because his character, Moose Finbar, um, mm. the zoologist one in uh, the original movie, um, he's... Danny Glover. Right, okay. So Kev, Kevin Hart is basically being Danny Glover right. um, for, for a lot of the movie, and it does a wonderful job. It does really, really good. Oh, cool. Um, likewise, The Rock, um, Dwayne Johnson, soon as they stop calling The Rock. Yeah, um, he's Dwayne Johnson now. It's Danny DeVito. Right, okay. put into the, the Dr. Smolder character, based on um, right. character. So The Rock's kind of acting... You know, as if it was Danny DeVille. Right, okay. And it, it, it does it well. I know you've got reservations about, you know, the rocks kind of chops and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, it, it kind of does, it does a, an all right Danny DeVille. And then say Hart totally aces, you know, playing the part of, of Danny Glover. Yeah, I'm not against um, the rock. I like I like the rock when you see him, he's doing things with a, a wink and a nod and he knows the comedy of it, he's fine. It's when yeah. he's sort of being overly serious, then I think he's, he's he lacks. Need to a bit yeah. Sometimes, yeah. No, I mean they're all having fun. I think that's the magic of the, the, these two Jumanji films. is the chemistry. Um, mm. the, the, the I think the film just falls. As soon as the film just falls similar, once they get sucked into the game, they've got to solve a puzzle to get out of the game. Exactly. Yeah, it kind of gives you new locations and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of you know, kind of blockbuster popcorn movie. They're yeah. not going to stray too far from the winning formula, yeah. and, and they don't. But you know, see, everybody's having such so much fun doing it, and it is pure popcorn. Um, you know, it's just smile on your face. Um, mm. It never, never labours. You know, always kind of moves, and the kind of you know the funny bits come freaking fast. The action bits are, are kind of thrown in. You know, there's quite surprising amount of emotional depth to it as yep. well. Um, you know, but there's a few scenes that you know kind of make you get a wee lump in your throat as well. Yeah, which is really good to do for, for such a kind of big commercial popcorn movie as well but definitely overall whole big barrel of fun um, maybe not as not 
not not as good as the first one. Um, not the first one, the second. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, you know, a, a good solid solid flick. You know, it's what you pay money for. You want to send it to be entertaining. Yeah. This is that the whole the whole two of entertaining the hell out of you. Um, ratings for it, solid seven out of ten. Nice one. Like I remember, like when the, the new one came out, like the Welcome to Jungle one came out. I was very much sort of like reserved. I didn't really care about it because I love mm. the, the Rob Williams Jumanji. Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't really look forward to this one. I went and seen this one and genuinely had a lot of fun watching the the Welcome to the Jungle. So, I'm, I if you told me a couple of years ago I'd be excited about the, about the Jumanji sequel sequel, I'd be thinking you're mad. So it is odd. Yeah. I am. I am genuinely quite excited about seeing this film. And I actually had tickets to go and see the advanced preview. Couldn't go because of the weather, but. I was, I'm, I'm generally looking forward to, to seeing what it, what it can offer. No, I think, I think you enjoyed it. See, there is a lot of stuff. See, I mean, you, you're not going to be surprised. You're not going to be thinking, wow, you know, I didn't expect this or that. I mean, everything that you think is going to happen will happen. happen yeah. But, you know, it'll, it'll make you feel nice and happy. Um, yeah. Just a quick shout out to Paco Fina, uh-huh. her name is. Yes. Um, she's in it as well. Um, just as an actress in general, she's fucking fantastic. She is good, yeah. I've heard, I, mean, really, I, I didn't see that film she was in when she plays the, the, the daughter going to China to um, like I've the, seen that that's one that I watched and the film itself was boring but yeah. she was she was totally excellent mesmerising it she's I'm really looking forward to seeing her career kind of blossom nice um, she's got this kind of awkwardness about her apparently that's why she's called Aquafina because she thought she was awkward so she called herself Aquafina but she has got a, an awkwardness to her yeah. but it's so Adoringly compelling. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing this girl's this girl's career. Nice. But Jumanji, seven out of ten, worth a watch. Definitely. I, yeah, go see it. Just fun. Um, kids will love it more than adults. Uh, yeah. They'll say my two kids went to see it before I did, and the, the, the both of them absolutely adored it as well. So I think yeah, it's this time of year, it's Christmas time. Do you know I mean it's everyone wants to have a yeah. nice time and have fun, and this this is it. Yeah. Nice one. I will try and get, I'm going to go and see it um, on Monday. Um, so, next film up is one that we both saw, which is actually not out for about another three or four weeks, I think. We got an SP preview of A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood, um, directed by Mariel Heller, who did Die of the Teenage Girl and Can You Ever Forgive Me um, from last year, the one that got Richard Grant an Oscar. Did he win the Oscar? Did he get a nomination for the Oscar? Um, I'm not too sure. I don't think he got it, but I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember if he won. No, did I? I can't remember if he won or not. Did he? Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember now either. I remember it been. It was very highly touted, and he was excellent in that film. Um, yeah. So the plot of this film is that there's a, a journalist who is tasked with going to interview Fred Rogers, who is a American TV sort of stalwart who does a kids TV program that teaches children all about life and the world and you know feelings and everything and emotions. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is, the guy I interview him is more of a sort of, he does some sort of undercover work and sort of more exposés. He's not really into these sort of puff pieces. Yeah, he's quite a kind of hard, hard yeah. journalist, you know, yeah. that's no scared to ask the questions. questions yeah. yep. um, he is, at the time, going through sort of a bit of a midlife crisis. You know, he's, a, he's got a kind of interesting backstory of his father. Um, he's yeah. also became a father very recently and he's sort of maybe struggling with what being a father is and what being a husband is and, you know, try to engage in that new part of his world. Um, at the same time, he is quite cynical towards someone who is just pure goodness, like Fred Rogers. He he assumes there must be a a darkness to him. Yes, he he thinks this is a character. Yeah, yes, you can't get your head around it. You know, someone can be this twenty four seven. Fred Rogers, yeah. 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 Um, in the film, you've got Fred Rogers being played by Tom Hanks, which is pretty much spot on casting, I think. Yeah, 
absolutely amazing job. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll go into more about this in a wee second. Yeah. Did you know they're distantly related? No, I did not know that. It's like something like the six uh, six cousins removed or something. They're, they they share like from way back when, but apparently they they do <laughs> share a very a similar gene, genealogy. Uh, you've also got Matthew Reese, who plays the journalist in question, who is interviewing uh, Fred Rogers. Yep. Uh, Chris Cooper plays his dad. Um, and you also got Susan Kelchie Watson, who is from the only thing I can think of she was in is NCIS. Um, she plays the the wife of, of Matthew Reese. Um, yep. So I think we, we both agree. What we maybe both expected a bit of a biopic for this, didn't we? Yeah, and it, it, it really, really wasn't. You no, know, I think yeah, you go not expecting to see here we go one of the biopic. It, it's not at all, is it? No, it's it's Mr. Rogers in the film is very much a supporting character. The, the, the film flows through him to some degree, but it, he's sort of he just comes in and out of the film. The main crux yeah. of the story and the main the emotional narrative of the story is all with the Matthew Reese character, the journalist, um, yeah. which I thought was a really interesting way of taking it because I think if you were to do like an expose on Mr. Rogers, you sort of almost get it becomes too holier than thou. And it becomes not interesting. You need someone who's a broken person, and it felt like the Matthew guy is definitely. It seems like a broken man, to to, yeah, to some degree. Yeah. So it's to see him grow and change and become someone different is is definitely a more compelling story. Uh, than, the, the thing is, is it was quite a lot of the time you get the you know the kind of story arc and the, the character grows, develops, and changes it, and you, know, you kind of have a hard time buying it, swallowing it. But yeah. with this, you, you didn't at all. Yeah, I mean, it's like. You'd have been quite sad and upset if he didn't oh. evolve the way the film made him. Do you know oh. what I mean? So, um, like I said, it's really, really well done. Everything's done really organically. You know, nothing feels forced. Mm. Everything feels like you can. Yeah. You understand where he's came from. You, you, you don't know what's happened at the start of the film to make him feel like this, but there's enough little hints as, if, as in the opening maybe 20 minutes of the show of the film when he's on camera. We get a hint of there's something bad happened to this guy in his past, or there's something there. That he's, yeah. he's he's angry and he's still he, he just look he just looks angry, you know he has that kind of he just had, he's walking around with a constant skill in his face you know for yeah you know even yeah, he's given at the start he's like doing an award ceremony speech isn't he he won an award or he's given out an award to someone else, and even when he's giving this sort of supposedly happy kind of you know festive speech he still he still looks like he like you know someone's you know to Parlons Kevin Smith someone's shitting his cereal. You know, he's, he's really pissed off about having to get this reward. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, I thought all the cast were... I mean, Tom Hanks is phenomenal, because he is Tom Hanks. I think... Um, I was telling you this during the week, but um, I had... The only... So, in my head, um, the only association with um, Mr. Rogers' neighbourhood I've got is back in the 80s. I used to watch... Um, Saturday Night Live skits um, yeah. on VHS and I used to watch the Eddie Murphy piss take on it with right. Mr. Robinson there uh-huh. which was centred around his neighbourhood being filled with like, kind of like crack addicts and stuff and yeah yeah whores and stuff like that it was <coughs> very much tongue in cheek funny so yeah. I had you know in my head I had a completely different vision and stuff like that so I had to come home after the movie and watch some snippets of Fred Rogers doing his show and stuff like that and when you watch archive footage of him do, doing the show and you compare it to Hanks' performance um, I would be totally and utterly shocked if he doesn't get an Oscar nod and probably surprised if he doesn't win yeah correct. It, it's it's definitely a, a good shout because he is sort of it's a character that's so ingrained in American culture and American subconscious you know it's like it's someone that every it's like us with 
you know, Rainbow or something, or even Sesame Street, it's so yeah. ingrained in someone in American culture that you know everyone who knows who Mister Rogers is, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a scene yeah, on the, totally. there's, there's a scene on the subway car that I I thought must be fake you know sort of like it's just you know it's filmmaker you know taking out a wild flight of fantasy but apparently did yeah. did happen and that that's how much the guy was revered amongst you know everyone you know no one has a bad word to say about mr rogers it did know. seem to be pretty much a saint didn't it? yeah it's, like it's beloved bizarre, yeah. yeah you know he's, he's, he's like an old white guy you know and what, what was it is it the arsenio hall show you see him on isn't it he was like kind of 60s, 70s when he was on. Ah, you know, so it's a guy doing that, and he's also on like, um, he's in front of Congress, and you see like little clips of him like on Saturday Night Live and with Leno and all that kind of stuff. So he, 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 seemed, yeah. to walk, he seemed to walk in every world. You know, no one was, it wasn't yeah. like he only appealed to one demographic. Everyone seemed to, you know, to love him. And he, like in this film, it's 1990s. Um, Matthew Reese's character's white, his wife is uh, black, but she, even she, you know, even she's saying like, "Don't ruin my childhood by ruining this man." I like, I adore this yeah, man. Yeah, so you know, it, it, it wasn't just yeah, you know, it wasn't just aimed at you know the kind of white American audience. It was universally loved by by America. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that we were talking about was um, the, the the ability Hanks has got to make you forget you're watching Tom Hanks because he does become the character so much, and it's, it's hard to overlook. Um, a massive celebrity like that and not see the actor but I, I, I think in this film that I totally you know I was watching Mr Rogers I wasn't watching Tom Hanks playing Mr Rogers no it's it's Tom Hanks' true skill I think that no matter what you're watching him in it, maybe for about a minute you see him as Tom Hanks like sort of the celebrity and then within about that minute you forget he's Tom Hanks and you instantly believe who he's playing there's yeah, so yeah, few yeah, around like Denzel can do it as well I think yeah Um. But that's about it. I can't really think of any guys who, who are that level of, you know, other actors, are, you know, Wacken Phoenix is a great actor, but he's not maybe the same God level tier as these guys are. You yeah, know, yeah. guys who are so ingrained in the public consciousness and so beloved in the public consciousness, but they can still disappear into a character, even without even doing much. Because Hanks, is, he looks like Tom Hanks. He doesn't look, he's not under makeup, he's not really. Yeah, yeah. He's just, yeah. he's Tom Hanks in a red jumper for most of it. That's all it really is. But it's just. <laughs> Like I say, I will be genuinely surprised if he doesn't win the Oscar for that. Would you put him up for best supporting or best um, lead? No, this is a tricky one actually. Um, probably, probably supporting. Yeah. I think this is Matthew Reese's movie. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the the character takes him on the journey, but yeah. it's not about. Mr. Rogers, it's about it's about the, the Reese character. Yeah, I know. I've, I did find strange is um, reading reading about it is that wasn't his name in the film. Um, it's it, 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 everything in the film is true, but he wanted his name changed for some reason. Yeah. I, I'm not not sure why. Even though the art, even, even though the end of the film says an article based on an article by the actual yeah, writer. Yeah. yeah. And you can go online and read the interview. It's all there. So I mean, yeah. to, to kind of cover as you see, and I mean, everything is pretty much you know. Apart from his there, name. But yeah, it's just like I don't want to. I want you to like be protected and change my name. And I'm like, why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Um, reason for it, I'm sure, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, onto the film itself, you know, getting getting into the, the net of the film, um, I thought that it was nice that everyone in the film gets a chance to, to grow and everyone that's filming the chance gets a wee arc and gets yeah. a chance to evolve, which is some, yeah, something it, it you don't normally see. It doesn't focus too much on any individual character. Yeah. Everyone gets breathing space in it and, yeah, you're right, by the end of it, you know, everyone's had 
the, 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 the Susan uh, Watson is a little bit underused as a wife. She doesn't quite have as much to do. She she had a couple of key scenes in it that she works that she does really well and she stands up well in it. But she is sort of just sort of there a lot of time as the the, the, the mother and the sort of like to try and be his sort of impetus to do something a little bit. Um, yeah. She doesn't do much herself, but she's whatever she does, and she's still very good. I loved the cinematography of using like sort of the models of the Fred yeah, Rogers studio. Key, Even when it was at like, the real city, they still used the fake, like the kind of fake movie backdrop. I thought it was, I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was really beautiful yeah, to see. Every time they done that, I just had a wee smile yeah. on my face because it was so, it was just so nice to see. That. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that scene in Paddington when you'd see when you got into like, Paddington Two. I think it does the whole bit when it's like the the, the old animation. Okay. Um, out, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe that, I thought I thought it was really a really nice touch. I thought I was amazed that like, they committed to it for the whole film. Like I thought it was something. I'm, that, I'm, I'm glad they did. I'm, yeah, I'm glad they just they thought you know this is this is the tone. This is where it's going to go because it every <coughs> time, as I say every time it happened, I was just warmed up. I was like, well, that's yeah, fucking brilliant. Um, really good. Oh, nice. also features we we quickly touched on this. Um, I won't spoil for anyone, but possibly one of the most powerful sixty seconds you'll see on screen. Yes. Like it's a, yeah. yeah, what what you can do with what great actors and just a well timed moment can can really that, bring. It yeah, totally, and it does it does exactly. You know, he's kind of telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. You do, do you know what yeah. I mean? You're just like you're just reflecting, and it's like fuck me. That, Aye, it, that, that it, was powerful cinema. And I thought the way yeah. that the director done it with like, not I'm not gonna ruin it, but the way it sort of it builds. You know, it starts off with just the two of them, and then yeah. it builds to something more. I thought, that, I thought it was so beautifully done. Um, Brilliant scene, yeah. It, I thought it was a really well-paced movie. It, it moved it moved at a nice, steady pace. didn't really get bogged down at any point. So much Absolutely, so that it yeah. can have that little moment there, that, those little, that, that quiet moment there for a, when you're sitting there. Because <coughs> Rogers talks a very slow, methodical way. And it, it could be too slow, if you know what I mean. It, it could really bore you, but it doesn't. I thought it, it, it kept enough... Pace and maybe have him as like sort of a supporting character, and it helped that if he was the lead of the role, yeah. it, maybe you would get bored yeah. of hearing them talk all the time. Um, it is without question like a very sugary saccharine film at times, you know. It does it's, it, it, it wears its heart on its sleeve, and because of that, some people might come feel it a little bit, come a bit, a bit awkward watching it because of that. I personally, I, I embraced it, I thought that was a great part of it, but I, I can see some if anything, look, it's so necessary. Yeah. Out this period in time, because there's so much fucking horror going on yeah. out there just now. Do you know what I mean it's just doom and gloom all the time? Oh. I think we need something that's just pure and good, and you know, fucking soul fulfilling. Yeah, I totally agree. With you. I, I was same as you, happy about it. Completely embraced it. Yeah, totally. I'm the same. Like I said, it needed to be that. And I, if you're feeling awkward watching something that's so lovable like that, maybe you've got to look at yourself rather than look at the film. You know, yeah. Maybe you're not ready for. Maybe you need to. You know, find a bit more happiness because it is—it's very sweet, it's very saccharine, but I think it's definitely necessary. Um, and if yeah. and you should really embrace that part of it. Out of ten, sir, what are you gonna give it? Um, I would give it a solid eight out of ten. Um, Hank's performance, ten out of ten. I'm the same, eight out of ten as well. I thought Hank's was phenomenal. I thought all the cast were excellent, in fact. Um, Chris Cooper could be a shout for best supporting as well. He, he was very good in it as well, playing the the father. The dad. Yep, yeah. He, he had yeah. a few. He done what a supporting actor should do. You know, key scenes. Nails at home, brings it home, and, and gets you, you know, gets emotion in there. Um, yeah, yeah. Eight, eight out of ten for me. I thought I thought it was a fantastic piece of filmmaking. Yeah, go see it. Go, go see, see it. it. Yeah, Hanks, Hanks alone. Go see it and that's Moscow lot as well from Tom Hanks. Nice one. Um, well, see, you're saying that, but I'm going to move on to the next film, the last film of the week, which is a film called Marriage Story, um, which is on Netflix. No, 
Netflix, yeah, it's on Netflix. It was out in cinema for a little bit. Uh-huh. It's now available on Netflix. Um, directed by Noah Baumbach, who did uh-huh. the film Mistress America, which I absolutely loved. Um, and Francis Ha, he was on Squid and the Whale. He's been a writing partner of Wes Anderson as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, sure discussed him a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Wes Anderson. Um, the plot of this story, the film, is essentially it's a marriage breaking down. It's you're you're, you're watching two a husband and wife with a kid. One of them gets a job offer. They're, they're they're living in New York. One of them has a job offer in LA. She wants to take it. She goes to LA, and you can the marriage starts to break down. And essentially, and it's them trying to remain civil through the divorce. But at the same time, they sort of get caught up in the machinery of what a divorce is, and how how you know lawyers get involved and things like that, and how things quickly spiral from. Let's be civil. Let's we used to love each other like a, a, a couple of months ago. Now we're going to get nasty with each other, uh, and it's just yeah. and just it's showing a sort of a not one specific story, but a thousand million stories of you know how relationship any not just my how relationships can break down and yeah, and turn yeah, into something nasty. Uh, twisted. Um, yeah. Is it a male drama or does it have? Moments of levity in there, oh, there's, def- there's definitely moments of levity in it, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of melodrama in it as well. Um, in yeah. the film, you have Scarlett Johansson, so, yep. um, Adam Driver as well, back again this week. Um, Laura Dern playing one of the, um, playing Scarlett Johansson's lawyer, Ray Liotta, and Alan Alda played lawyers for Adam Driver that he has at various points in the film. Um, this is a, it's honestly one of the best films I've seen this year, without question. It is a beautifully structured and paced movie. It's hyper-realistic at times in the sense that it feels a little bit too clean and real at times, but utterly believable throughout the thing. You know, maybe overly middle-class at times. You know, everyone seems to be having... Everyone seems in very good shape and everyone seems to have a lot of money and able to able to use that, but the, the, the emotion of, of what it is never leaves you throughout the whole film. You know, the film opens with like them reading out a letter, a lot. Well, a letter been read out at a lawyer's office, not a lawyer's office, a therapist, of the things they love about each other. So it sounds like it starts out like a love story, yeah. and then once that once that bit ends, it just cuts to them in a, like a, a therapist's office, like you know, sitting opposite, not opposite, but like sort of apart from each other. You sort of you can see you can see the love has gone. You know, it, it's disappeared yeah. from the relationship. And that's sort of where it kicks off from. You feel like, oh my god, that's such a, such a a tough watch. And then you see them sort of still trying to be a couple in New York because he's a director, she's an actress. They work together. Yeah. And then obviously a kid involved as well, so I try to keep everything together for the kid as well. And it just you just seen this breakdown of everything. So what I've kind of read about it so far is is that um, I think a lot of people saying that it, it's possibly one of the most realistic portrayals of a divorce on screen and it also you know read a lot about how it's the characters are bad people and you know there was never the intention to, to hate this like you know kind of no. get into this, this kind of cat fight it's when solicitors and lawyers become involved yeah. that's when the bitterness starts yeah. it's almost you know they come in and they're the ones that, that make these fucking bad bad things I yeah think. there's a couple of lines in when like one of the lawyers says I could have gotten this from him but I decided not to do it at your request but we could have got that from him and you're going like ah oh, that's that's the problem with some things um, and you're absolutely right like that is a major credit to this film you know because Adam Driver and Scarlett Hansen are two fantastic actors and, you, and both very yeah. likeable in everything they do so you expect 
that you want to like both of them, but you feel you feel in a film about a divorce, you're going to dislike one of them for whatever reason. Yeah. You never, I never disliked either of them. Yeah. Nothing about yeah. what they're doing is isn't. You feel it's vindictive, like personally, it's vindictive. You know, they like the lawyers have their own effect, but them personally don't yeah. want to be that. And did you did you pick a side? At the end, of, at the end, of, I did yes, because I think I think in the end you will always come out maybe one side or the other. Yeah. I did pick a side, um, but I can hundred percent go the other side if I had, if I had to argue the other side of it, I could easily argue it as well. You could. So, what, I'm intrigued. I'm going to watch this thing. Maybe try and watch it tonight. Bill Lorraine, because again, it's Adam Driver. She likes to see it. Yeah. Um, but I'm interested to see Scarjo actually doing some because she can act. Um, she, just well, now, she's you know she's black widow. That's pretty much how most of the world knows her. But people forget that Scarjo can she can act. Look, look. Lost dude, in translation and stuff like that. Lost translation. Scott. What's the one? What's the Scottish one she did? Was it um, under your skin or something? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, and then even even ones like the one she done with Ewan McGregor, the, the, the Ireland one and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, she, she, she's a proper actress. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her not being Black Widow. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Look, kind of being Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, that's that's exciting for me. Yeah, and you know? she is excellent. Like both my ex and I'm, and I said to you, you were saying you think um, Hanks could win the Oscar. I think Driver is a shoe in for the best actor action um, Oscar this year. I think you'll. Oh. I think you'll beat Tom Hanks. I think you'll beat um, Wacom Phoenix. I think you can get best act. I think he's phenomenally good at in this. Well, um, I know pretty much the both films we spoke about um, with the nods. Um, I think they've both got golden gold nods. So, yeah. Uh, nods so far. So yeah, definitely. I think they're, they're in there anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting. You get it. I, I don't think if Adam Driver wins it, I don't think you could. You take anything away from Based that. on this, definitely not. Scarjo as well, she's got a shout for the best actress, I think. Definitely in there with a chance. Um, Laura Dern could win best supporting, and like I said, Loita or Alda could definitely be shouted for best supporting actor. So you can almost see this film winning not only best all the acting awards, it could probably win best, maybe not best directing, but it is well paced, well timed, it's well structured. So it could win that, but I think they might go something different for the best director. But it could yeah. definitely win best screenplay because some of the, the dialogue scenes between the two of them, it is. Like you said, you said the red reviews when it's the most realistic. It is. You you watch this, you've had these arguments. You know, yeah. you hear yourself, and you like when someone says something like, you know, they have an argument in the, in the big bag, like it was implied that I wanted this. It's like, well, you you've said that in an argument. You know, the idea like you should know what I think. You know, or you should know what I mean yeah. when I say this. You know, and yeah. every argument feels real and raw, and you go like, yeah, I'd I'd recognize that world. Not necessarily in a marriage, but even just in a friendship. Sometimes you can go, I recognize that. Yeah. That argument yeah. and, and that and that concern. Um, is it um, is it a long film? Does it drag along, or do, you know are you so involved that you know the pacing? It's, it's a touch over two hours, so it's about two hours ten. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a definitely it it, it moves quickly and it move it moves. It, and the same remember I remember like people being amazed that like Birdman was like two and a half hours long. It's a one shot film. It's yeah. like that. It just it grabs you very early on and it doesn't let you go. And because you're so yeah. wrapped up in who these people are and what their life is, you don't ever feel the times passing slowly. Boyhood's a great example yeah. as well, where yeah. you're yeah. so invested in everything that's going on, you don't care. It's three and a half hours long or four hours long. It could be an extra two hours long for all you know. You wouldn't nah, even notice. It kinda, it. Yeah, excuse time for you. I like yeah. to do that. You know, you know. just take a sense of time and fuck it over. Yeah. Um, I've seen a lot of comparisons um, to Kramer versus Kramer for this film. I don't know how accurate that is. I don't, I don't think it's accurate. I think Kramer vs. Kramer, 
I've not seen it for a long time, but I think there's you could you, you can more arguments coming down on one side rather than the other. Yeah, yeah. This one, I, I think you could you, you struggle to find one side or the other on this one. Cool. Out of ten, sir. Nine. Is this a Netflix original? No, I think they bought it. Actually, I'm not 100 percent sure on that though. Right. Not 100 percent, but definitely. But no, Bumback is definitely is a director of note. So. He no, it could be. On the driver, didn't he? No, you're thinking that's um, Jim Jarmish. Jarmish, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. He done the is it the Mekovici stories or something that's on Netflix? Oh yeah, the Mekovici stories. Yeah, yeah the one that's with one Sandler yes. and. Uh, yep. Michael Douglas done that one as well. So that's maybe maybe it might may actually be in a Netflix original. If he's maybe got a, a relationship now with Netflix to do these movies. They're, they're really starting to, to kind of get there slowly. But sure, I know that they turn out a lot of shit, and it is like kind of you know one in a million at the moment. But you know that that one in a million, they're, they're getting there. I think when they start picking up guys like Noah Baumbach, when they pick up guys like Scorsese, you know. They're bringing in quality, you know. They're not bringing yeah. in idiots. They're bringing in guys who know how to make a movie, you know. So yeah, they just need to get the consistency. Yeah. Uh, I think Scorsese was a big. Definitely. I think was a big get for them. I think getting Scorsese in the film, eh, so mm-hmm. on side with him, that's a massive, like sort of coup for him because he is he's royalty. You know, he is. Oh yeah. There's no other word for it. He is cinematic royalty, and to get him to invest in this new this medium is is massive. Yeah. yeah, it's going to open doors hopefully for us as film watchers, better things. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. so that's us for next week. This week, next week we have out. Well, I'm going to go and see Jumanji, but we've we'll talked about that most at length already. Um, <coughs> really, you've got Black Christmas out, which is out on Friday. Yeah, which seems to be able to get very scant um, screen time. Yeah, I've noticed that as well. There's a few shows that one near to myself, but other than that, it seems to be very quite quiet. Now, one reason yeah. for it being very quiet is Jumanji's a big hit, obviously, and that will take up yeah. some screens. Um, other, the other, there's another film out on Wednesday into Thursday that is mm-hmm. going to take up every screen in the history of cinema, which is um, shit. Shit, which is Star Wars: <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker. Is that what it's called? Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I that, am so fucking excited about this. I cannot forget. I'm just stupidly, childishly excited to go and see yeah. this. I cannot wait. You are hyped. I'm more reserved, but it is another Adam Driver. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Three, three, Driver. Driver is space of... like a week. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely, like I say, he seems to be the man at the moment, and it's not a bad thing because, you know, there's worse people you can have yeah. over exposure to. So, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah, definitely worth watching. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a way to find us? <laughs> uh, usual haunts um, in my bedroom right now. Yeah, <laughs> you can find us. 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 You can find us.